It's time to unleash the expert. What is he an expert on? Relationships, sex, spirituality, and rediscovering yourself beyond the trauma. Get ready to unleash more purpose, passion, and pleasure in your life. Here's the expert himself, Mr. Brandon Patrick. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, 2024, here we are. Uh, excited for the new year. Excited to get going. This episode is going to uh, be about creating new things with the new year. Um, I, The winter solstice, uh, I think it happened December 22nd. And um, I, I love how the new year comes at a time when um, we are shifting from um, from you know more darkness coming to more light coming, and uh, we kind of shift over from moving more like deeper into winter and more toward uh, spring. And the feeling, the energy in the air is about change. It's about uh, renewal and new things coming into our lives. So. It's perfect. I love how New Year's is right at that time. I find myself a lot of times sitting down, uh, journaling, and contemplating life and why we're here and what we're doing and what what I'm creating in my own life at this time of year. It's funny. I a lot of people go to the gym for the first week of the New Year. Um, I always get a journal and I I write down a bunch of stuff and I um, and then I read it like four months later. <laughs> Um, but what I want to do today is, is get you thinking about some things to actually create some shifts long-term in your life, uh, and to help you to do that for the long run and not just for this one week that you set some goals. So, uh, we get what we believe out of our lives. So a lot of times people will say, I want something different. So you know, I want to be in better shape or I want to have healthier relationships or I want uh, more money or whatever it is. And so they set these goals and then they don't ever reach the goals. What happens a lot of times is uh, they don't really have the right tools to get those goals. They're operating with the same systems, and but they want something different. And so it's kind of like, if I went out golfing and I had one club, uh, let's say I had a pitching wedge, but I wanted to hit it further. And so I set this goal that I hit it further. So I swung harder. Well, maybe I swung harder, but in, I still have a pitching wedge. That's what I'm using. Maybe I need to change what I'm, uh, my, the tools that I'm operating with in order to get the different outcomes in my life. So it's not just about trying harder. I could swing harder and harder with that pitching wedge. It's still a pitching wedge. So I want to start with a story. Um, I went hunting with my son. Uh, that was last Saturday, so four days ago. And we woke up really early in the morning. We were elk hunting. And it was a, a winter day. It was like December 29th or something. And 28th, anyways, we woke up and we started climbing this mountain that was a steep 
climb. Uh, and we started going straight up this mountain. And we went straight up this mountain for two and a half miles. So it was like stair stepper for two and a half miles. And we got to this spot and I stopped at this one spot. My brother went up further. He stopped at another spot. And um, quickly, I started glassing, meaning I, I got my binoculars out. I started looking around, and um, I spotted elk on the mountain. And they were probably, I'd say, 700 yards from me when I saw them, maybe 800. Um, so they were a ways away. They looked like a little, little teeny tiny speck on the mountain with the naked eye. Um, you could... Uh, you could confuse them for a bush or a branch or a rock very easily. Um, but I spotted them. There was five big bull elk. And um, I called up to my brother and I said, hey, there's some elk. And I told him where. And sure enough, he was closer to them. He hadn't seen them yet. And he said, oh, wow, nice find. Yes, I see them. Um, later on in the day, uh, we were looking around and uh, seven or 800 yards away, I, I found some some deer. I found more animals and I kept finding animals. And And uh, my son turned to me and he's like, Gal, dad, how do you do that? How do you see them? And uh, I said something to him that I think is really important. I said, in, you know, in my father teaching moment, <laughs> the deeper meanings of life. Um, I, I was talking just about finding the elk, but this means so much more. I said, you know, the first thing that needs to happen in order to find animals when, when you're looking for them is you have to believe they're actually there. Because if you don't believe they're actually there, you'll never see them because you won't actually look. You won't look hard enough. You won't you won't know that they're there. So if you believe first and foremost that they are there, then when they're not under that first bush you look under, you know that they're going to be under another bush because you're knowing that they're there somewhere. Now, I might sound delusional, but I found a bunch of animals, so I wasn't that delusional. The point being, when I know something and I have a vision of it, then I can actually see it and I can actually create it. And um, we, th there's things happening all around us all the time that we're unconscious of. Opportunities go right by us. When I'm talking about hunting, I've seen it before where, you know, an animal walks 20 yards past somebody and they have no idea that that animal was ever even there. I've seen people have business opportunities where there's a massive opportunity right in front of their face and they just can't see it. They don't recognize it. I see people in relationships where they they want a healthy relationship. They want to get into a relationship and the opportunity is right there on the table. Uh, but they sabotage it. They can't see it. Um, we create through what we envision. 
So when we see things a certain way and we visualize things a certain way, that's what comes back to us in our life. That's what we manifest. So New Year's resolutions need to be less about forcing a goal to happen and actually learning how to manifest what we want in our lives. And I'm going to give you some tools and I'm going to give you some things to think about in order to actually manifest those things. Why are some people so blessed? Some people are so lucky. You know, people just, you know, just amazing things happen to them. I'm, uh, I'm reading the Elon Musk book and it's fascinating, um, really fascinating. I mean, he is so interesting. And, you know, you look at him and it's like, it's like, whoa, okay, he owned PayPal and then Tesla and then SpaceX and now Twitter. And it's just like, what does this guy not own? Um, how is it that everything this guy touches turns like to gold? And not only is he like, not only is he like filthy, filthy rich, He's also involved in companies that are actually shifting the way we think and changing the world. How is Elon doing that? And one of the interesting themes throughout the book is that, and I don't know if this is the right term to use, but I'm going to use it. He's stupid enough to believe that he can do all these things. They talk about how he's somewhat autistic um, he, you know, he just doesn't have that doubt that we all have and he is not scared of risk. And so he just knows that it's going to happen and he works his butt off because he knows it's going to happen. Just like me not seeing the animal under one bush. A lot of people quit then, not Elon. He figures it out because he knows it's going to happen. Elon didn't get 4.0s. He wasn't the best student. But somehow he, that dude's changing the world. Um, some people are so blessed because they believe they're blessed. They believe they're lucky. They believe good things are going to happen to them. Some people believe the world is out to get them. And so what do they create? All these ways in which the world gets them. If I know I'm unattractive and unlovable, I uh, over New Year's, I didn't even know this, but Forrest Gump is like a New Year's movie. There's a, a scene in there all about New Year's. Um, I happened to watch it on New Year's Eve. Um, right as uh, 2024 was coming in, I had to pause Forrest Gump to go... Uh, light some fireworks. And Forrest Gump is interesting because if you look at Jenny's character, she was abused as a child, hor horrific childhood, horrific abuse. And it shows in that movie how over and over and over again, she's creating relationships with men that abuse her. That she is, um, she can be abused. She can be hurt. She can be taken advantage of. And then Forrest comes along and he's Mr. Nice Guy, do anything for her. And she kind of rejects him and holds him off and pushes him away and then goes, finds another abuser again and again and again and again. 
she creates that again and again. Forrest, if you look at him, it's kind of similar to what I was saying about Elon. He just, everything he touches, he just is like, okay, I'll do it. Sounds good. Why do I, why would I not do that? So, and he changes the world one thing at a time. I didn't, I, I forgot certain things like, you know, in that movie, it's, it's a fictional movie, obviously, but in that movie, he taught Elvis how to dance. Um, you know, he invented the smiley face t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he met every president like of every decade for his life. Um, I, I could go down the list, but he just did those. He became a, a multi, multi bajillionaire because he just, well, yeah, I'll just do the next thing. Why not? Why wouldn't I? Um, meanwhile, Jenny's getting all caught up in all of these relationships and drugs and recreating all of the trauma that was in her life. Trauma shapes our lenses and shapes our belief system. And then we create scenarios that um, prove the beliefs true around the trauma that we had. So what, let me give you an example. Um, let's say I had trauma. I'll just make something up. Let's say I had trauma. My dad left me when I was young and I was hurt and I was sad and I was wondering if I wasn't I good enough to love? Wasn't I good enough to stick around for? So then I get in my later years and I get in a relationship and I start acting like desperate because I want to be loved and not be abandoned. And so I start doing all these things that actually push people away from me. And what do you know? They abandon me because I act desperate for love. Because that trauma I had interpreted with the belief that I'm not good enough to stick around for and to love. And I could go, I could give you example after example. Um, and, and trauma can be very tricky and very subtle in its messaging. And one person can interpret trauma totally different than another person, and it can be the same event. I could be in a car and experience the same car accident as another person, and they might think that's proof that God doesn't love me, and I might think that's proof that God does love me. Just because the way we interpret it. So if trauma shapes our lenses and our lenses are our belief systems are what creates the outcomes in our lives, then um, we have to look at dealing with the trauma in order to change the belief systems in order to get the different outcomes in our lives. Okay. So I hope you're following me here. Modalities like accelerated resolution therapy, ART. Uh, EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Reprocessing and desensitizing trauma is what EMDR is doing. Um, what those modalities do is they 
help you go reinterpret that trauma so that you don't have the same belief systems as a result of that trauma. Those, those modalities don't take away the trauma. The, the thing happened, the experience did happen. You're now interpreting it different because you've gone back there in order to view it differently. And if you view that differently and it changes your belief, then it changes everything about your life. Henry David Thoreau, one of my favorite philosophers. I've been to Walden Pond out by Boston um, where he spent a, a year, over a year, just contemplating. And Thoreau says, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. Okay. Um. Then Viktor Frankl's famous quote, they can take everything from me, but they can't take away my power to choose. Okay, so if we mix those two things together, what that leads to is we have choice to decide how we want to view things. And this is a really hard principle for some people who want to stay stuck in creating the suffering. Because who are you to tell me that all of the pain and suffering of my life, I create? I've been shit on my whole life. That's not my fault. Well, okay, maybe you didn't do the things that are causing the harm, but you're the one interpreting it. I always come back to my favorite little stories. You know, the, you know, if you, if you had a pile of manure, manure dropped on you, um, you could like, you could breathe it all in and suffocate and die. Or you can stick your nose up into it, dig your way out of it, and it becomes your fertilizer. Um, one way or the other. The two donkeys that fall down a well each fall down a different well and the, the farmer drops a shovel load of dirt down each well and the first donkey says, oh great, not only did I fall down a well, now I'm getting buried alive. And they get buried alive and die. The other donkey says, oh, dirt on my back, shakes it off and takes a step up, gets out of the well. Same dirt, same fall down the well, okay? We have power. We are not stuck in creating what we're creating. And we can absolutely shift the outcomes of our lives. There are things that happen that we don't have control over. It's true. Things happen to us. But what is our lens? How do we interpret those things as opposed to, being a victim. Okay. Um, I've seen people um, have horrendous things happen to them and they've turned those things into blessings in their life because of what they believe about those things. They believe that God was blessing them through that horrible experience. And I've seen the opposite. 
Okay, so let's get down to the actual tools to shift belief systems to cre create new things in your life, okay? We're going to give you a driver here, not just have you keep slugging away with the pitching wedge, all right? Um, so a lot of times affirmations are made fun of, okay? I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, and doggone it, I believe in myself. Well, great, good, I'm glad. Say that to yourself while you look in the mirror, awesome. Um, but I'm going to give you a tool that's far more powerful than an, an affirmation, okay? And it's called affirmative questioning. So what I want you to do is I want you to find places of shame in your life. And a, a lot of times that shame is connected to trauma, okay? So um, I'm, I'm fat, I'm ugly, um, I'm stupid, Nobody will love me as I am. Um, I'll never get that promotion. Uh, no one ever even notices me. Um, things like that, okay? We all have some of those things. We all have some of these things pumping through our lens, through our belief system. We don't show people those things explicitly, usually. We don't want people to know those things, even though we believe those things. So we've had trauma. Here's our belief system. We're hiding showing anyone those things because we don't want them to know that that's how we feel. But everyone can kind of see it, that that's what you believe about yourself, even though you're trying to act like you don't believe that, okay? Um, so stop for a minute and get conscious of the way that you're showing up in those ways. Yeah, when I do that, when I do this, okay? And try to find the belief underneath the behaviors. Hmm. I'll give you one personal one. Um, with some business things, I seem to be a little bit afraid to um, just go for some things on my own. Um, I want to set up some uh, safety nets, so to speak, for failure. So um, I want to partner with some people so I can blame them if it fails. Um, I want to not go for some things so I can not fail, okay? And so I've been I've been evaluating this in my own life of like, God, I had opportunity right there in front of me. Um, I look back on the last 10 years of my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, opportunity there, opportunity there. But I refuse to step into that because I had this belief that I couldn't do this on my own, okay? Um, that I'm not capable on my own to create what like abundance, right? So there's a faulty core belief there somewhere. Um, I'm not strong enough to create abundance, okay? So here's the tool. The tool is called affirmative questioning. And what it is, is it's asking an inquisitive question to myself about that, that counteracts the shame, okay? So if my shame or my faulty core belief is I can't create abundance on my own, my affirmative question would be something like this. How is it that you create so much abundance on your own? Okay. So that's an affirmation, but it's more than that. It's now getting me to look at the evidence that I'm not what I believe that I am. How is it that you create so much abundance on your own? And then I'll look at it and I'll be like, well, and, and my, my shame's going to come back and say, you don't. 
There's no evidence. But I want to stick in there and say, hang on. Like, I want to look and see if I do. And I can tell you, I do. There's so much evidence that I'm capable, that I can create abundance, and I can do it on my own. Okay? But the question, the affirmation is, how is it that you create so much abundance on your own? Let's say my shame was, you're you're ugly. My simple affirmative question would be, how are you so beautiful? How are you so amazingly beautiful? And I start to ask that question, how am I beautiful? Now, the affirmative question should be really uncomfortable because that faulty core belief um, is so like in you. It's so a part of what you believe. So if it doesn't make you squirm a little bit, then you're not really hitting an affirmative question that's, that's doing much, right? Like if I believe that I'm smart and my affirmative question is, is how is it that you're so smart? Well, I know I'm smart, so. Okay, so yeah, give yourself three to five affirmative questions that you ask every day. You can look in the mirror if you want and smile at yourself or just write them out in a journal every day. How is it that you're so, so independent and abundant? Boom, so I'm going to write that down. How is it? How was I that way today? And then you start to gain proof and you start to experience the opposite of what that shame's telling you. You start to see the elk on the mountain rather than see just a barren mountain. Okay. Um, another thing that you can do is you work backwards. Okay. So a lot of times we're like, yeah, I'm going to set a goal that I'm going to like lose weight or whatever. Well, we're great. Set the goal. But work backwards. Start with, I want to look at what I am creating in my life. What are the outcomes of my life? Okay. I do this. I do that. Wow. I like those outcomes. I don't like those outcomes. Okay. Why am I getting those outcomes in my life? What behaviors do I have? that get me those outcomes? What beliefs are under those behaviors? And what beliefs can I shift and change and challenge because I don't want those outcomes anymore? Right? Let's say you're someone who hates your job. Well, an outcome of my life is that I hate my job. I keep going to work every day at a job that I hate. I resent my boss. I hate my job. I feel stuck and I feel depressed. Okay. What belief is under that? I don't believe I'm strong enough to start my own business. I don't believe I'm smart enough to go for a better job. I don't believe I'm lovable enough to actually stand up for myself to my boss. Okay. All those type of beliefs are the ones pushing you to work that dead-end job every day. Okay? But start with the outcome. I hate my job. Okay. Okay, I don't know what's under that yet, but I'm going to dig and I'm going to find it. Okay? So affirmative questioning, start with the uh, life outcomes assessment. Look at what's happening in your life. Um, 
And here's another tool that I think is important. And it's easy for me to say, um, but it creates a resiliency. I, I could do episode after episode on this one. Just, just expect pain and find a reason for the pain in life. There's purpose. So if you always interpret pain as evidence that something's going bad, then the faulty core belief systems are going to come in and create that suffering in your life. If you take pain, apply a growth mindset, and find that there's always a purpose to the pain, something good is happening as a result of this pain, then your belief systems are going to create that goodness, that fertilizer from the manure. You're going to be the donkey that shakes it off and takes a step up versus a donkey that gets buried. Um, so embrace pain. Embrace struggle. Because that's what's making you better. Embrace that bush that you don't see any elk under. Wow, that bush taught me how to look under a bush and showed me that it's not under there. So now I get to look somewhere else. That's the growth mindset way of living. And if you if you just shift that little bit of a thing, then all those faulty core beliefs that come from that fixed mindset go out the window. Well, it's proof that God doesn't love me. It's proof that my family doesn't love me. It's proof that I'm not good enough for my wife. It's proof that all those go out the window and it's like, oh, my wife's mad at me. That's painful. I'm going to embrace that pain. I'm going to learn something from this. And create love with her. Oh, I didn't get that promotion? I thought I was going to get it. Man, something to learn here. Maybe God's pushing me in the, into a totally different company, a different job, and creating better opportunities for me. Because growth mindset. Okay. Affirmative questioning, evaluate the outcomes um, of your life, find reason for the pain. And then the last one I would say is to act opposite to your harmful beliefs. And this one is hard, but so powerful. I was talking to a guy who was, who was saying, I'll never find a wife. Um, I'll never, no one will ever love me again. Okay. Um, and I just said, why don't you just flip that on its head? I'll find a wife and someone's going to love me again. And I said to him, why don't you just live that way for a week? Just like, just pretend, just pretend like I'm going to find her and someone's going to love me. He met his wife that week. I'm not kidding. He met his wife that week. He got married to her. They're happily married. just because he tried on a new belief. And he went out and he acted as if that belief were true. You know, I'm a failure to I'm a success. Just act like you're a success for a week. But that feeling of I'm a failure is going to come up and it's going to battle and it's going to say, no, nah, I'm going to win. You can act like a success. That is vulnerable. That is scary. That is like, don't do that. 
I'm here to protect you. I'm a failure belief. I'm here to protect you because the trauma that you had. And you just say, thank you, belief. I'm a failure. I'm going to put you aside for right now. I'm just going to act like I'm a success. And when I act upon that, I experience something different and it changes my belief system, which changes the outcomes of my life. We are powerful beings. We can create what we want to create in our lives. We have the ability to do that. No matter what your life experiences have been, if you're in a hole of depression and addiction and whatever it is, that's tough. That's hard. If you're still alive and breathing, you have a chance to shift what you're thinking. And if you shift what you're thinking and believing, you're going to shift the outcomes of your life. Start with one. Start acting opposite to one faulty core belief. Start feeding yourself affirmations opposite to that faulty core belief. And you'll start seeing the elk. Wow, that's, an, that's actually an elk on the mountain. The old me never would have thought that I could see it. But it's right there in front of me now. Have a good one, you guys. We'll see you.